Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Monday Morning Quarterback. I'm Matt Verderam alongside Gilberto Manzano. Hopefully, hopefully you had a happy holiday, happy new year. Enjoyed it wherever you are. Thank you for listening here as we uh, ring in 2024. How uh, we're getting to the football stuff, and God knows there's a lot of that as we go into week 18. How was your uh, new year? Did you do anything? Were you awake for midnight? Uh, where did you fall on that? I got to say, Matt, it was a struggle struggle to get to midnight. You know, you know, my, I was hanging out with family, and I kept checking my phone. I was like, oh, it's only 9.30, 10. Do we have to wait for this? Can we just go out for East Coast time? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in L.A., so we're three hours behind. And, and yeah, you know, we got there. It was a good time, though, but it was a struggle this time of year. And, Matt, I'm going to break my own rule here. I, I, I say don't tell me Happy New Year after January 3rd, but I haven't seen you, so Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. I, you know what? New Year always cracks me up in the in Chicago here in the Midwest because I grew up on the East Coast, grew up in New York, it's where I was for the last couple of weeks, and it's always funny to me. Like when I first moved to Chicago, twenty fifteen. So I went out with my girlfriend, now my wife, and we went out to some bar back in the days where we had kids and responsibility, and. They're watching the ball drop in Times Square, and everybody's counting down and throwing all this crap, you know, confetti and everything. I'm like, you're the biggest bunch of frauds in the world. It's 11 o'clock. <laughs> like, it, it, it legitimately bothered me as a New Yorker. I'm like, you guys are celebrating the wrong wrong time. Like, you, you, here we are in Chicago with a bunch of D-list celebrities having their own ball drop, which is just a disgrace. And... Everybody celebrated, and then an hour went by, and it was actually midnight, and then everybody did it again. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, this, this is not the proper way to do this. Like, put it on delay, do whatever you got to do. But, like, to celebrate the ball dropping in New Year's at 11 Central is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever been a part of. It literally made me want to move back to New York. I was so ashamed for everybody involved because my whole life, when it was New Year's for me, it was New Year's. Like, that was it. You know, you had the ball drop and everything else. And now you have these frauds in the Midwest who are like, it's 11 o'clock. Yay. Like, no, it, it's embarrassing. I'm ashamed for everybody involved. And to do it twice, too, that's a real commitment to this bit here of a pretending I was uh, dying. New Year's. If you could find the cam footage of that place the second time they celebrated, I'm laughing so hard at my table. Like, it, it's such an embarrassment. It's already embarrassing enough you celebrated an hour early because you just wanted to be in on it. But then to double back and do it again, it's like, come on now, let's stop it. Like, I was completely caught off guard by this considering I'd never been anywhere but New York for New Year. And so, like, it was, it was like when they did it at 11, I was like, that, that's really weird. And then they did it again. And I, I just busted out laughing. I was like, this is, this is unbelievable. So then I started thinking, like, on the West Coast, you guys celebrate, like, three different times. Like, do you guys say, hey, it's mountain time, yeah! Like, just start throwing stuff around. It's, it's always like a, like, a, like a message. Somebody in the party says, hey, actually, right now on East Coast, is, uh, it's, it's uh, midnight, so they're yeah. celebrating. And it's like, who cares? Let's keep doing our own thing. Yeah, three hours it's behind. 9 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, we can't do anything right now. Yeah. But nice mention. 
it's just so weird to me. And then like it was the first couple of years when I moved out here, I still had like a lot of friends who would text me Happy New Year at 11 o'clock out here. And it is so anticlimactic now living here that like this time, like I said, I was in New York, so it was different. But like when I'm at home, my wife goes to bed at like nine o'clock at night. Those days of being up and partying are long gone. So I'll be sitting there watching like Ted Lasso and all of a sudden I look down at my phone, it's 12, 16. I'm like, oh, hey, cool. Happy New Year. Like it doesn't, it doesn't register anymore. It doesn't have quite the impact that it once did. Um, I remember being 20 and 21 and yeah, back then in college, I had my, my girlfriend in college. I'm like, let's go to Times Square. Let's go down there and let, you know, let's party. Let's do it. And now I watch it and I'm 35 and I'm like, man, you couldn't pay me enough to go to Times Square. Freezing my ass off. People have been standing out there on those bike rails for 20 hours trying to get as close as they can to the ball drop. And look, I'm not going to go too far into this, but think about it. Like, if you got to if you got to take a leak, you got a problem. Like, <laughs> you're not getting back to that spot, right? So you got to figure out the way to make that happen. And I'm guessing some people are still uh, liquored up that it's not a problem. But it's, I have family who used to be in the NYPD, and they would always say, "Matt, don't don't do it. Had to work those nights. <laughs> it's the worst night of the year. Don't go anywhere near it. Watch it on TV." And I took their advice. Yeah, I'm glad I stayed home for, for this or the last few New Year's Eve. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. All right. Talking about staying home, as I, I segue like a professional here, we got uh, Week 18 storylines. By the end of this week, 18 teams, they will be staying home. 14 are going on now. With that being said, and I'm not going to run down every single scenario because some of them are crazy and, and borderline impossible, but here's what we know about the playoffs right now. So in the AFC, the Ravens have clinched home field. They're 13-3, best record in football, number one seed throughout the playoffs, home field, all that. The Chiefs, they clinched the AFC West by beating Cincinnati last weekend. They're the three seed, no matter what happens. And the and the Browns, they are a wild card. They will be the best wild card team. They are the five seed. So all those teams are going to rest their starters. We've already talked about that. Those teams are locked in. Now, the Dolphins have clinched a playoff berth. They have not clinched anything more than that. They could be... They, in fact, they will be the two seed if they win against Buffalo. If they lose, they are the six seed. There are no other scenarios. They will go to Kansas City if they lose. For Buffalo, if the Bills win, they are the two seed. But here's where it gets interesting, and I want to segue in here. If the Bills lose, there is a very, very, very real world where they miss the playoffs. Now, what would have to happen is Pittsburgh would have to beat a, a basically a secondhand Baltimore team because Baltimore's not playing anybody. That game's Saturday afternoon. And then Jacksonville would have to beat Tennessee. Tennessee, of course, 5-11 and 11 right now. Jacksonville might be getting Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk back this week. That game is in Nashville. But if Jacksonville and Pittsburgh win their games, which they're favored to do, and Buffalo were to lose at Miami, Buffalo is out of the playoffs. So with all that as a backdrop here, let's dive right in. Who do you have getting into the playoffs, both in the AFC, who do you think makes who clinches the last three spots, and then in the NFC, where in the NFC, quickly, Philly's in, Dallas is in. We don't know who's going to win the East yet. Dallas beats Washington. They win the East. They'd be the two seed. Philly would be the five. Tampa can clinch by beating Carolina. Uh, the Niners are the one seed. The Rams are a wild card. Uh, and I think And the Lions have won their division. So there's a couple spots there. Who gets in the AFC and the NFC? Yeah, I'll start with the NFC and... Buccaneers, just handle business. Go beat the terrible Panthers and, and just beat them down handily and, and win the division. You had an opportunity last week and you it had a stinker against the Saints there. You know, I know the Saints had like a 10 days, 10 days of rest and they and they got to the Buccaneers, but handle business, make that one easy. Uh and then I'm kind of intrigued about obviously the Rams already clinched, but I want to see them get that six seed to play the Lions number three, and that'll be Matthew Stafford going to Detroit. But they got they need uh, Carson Wentz to beat out Sam Darnold. Kind of an intriguing little matchup there. So obviously they got the six there. And then uh, you know what? Uh, it's I will say I will say the the Bears. Even though I already I already know I'm, I'm gonna do something terrible here. But uh, MMQB staff picks. I went with the Packers, but I'm changing my mind. I think the Bears could beat the Packers. Uh, Seahawks beat the Cardinals. Maybe the Seahawks take that last spot right there. And then over in the AFC, it's it's wild to me that that. The Bills have been a French playoff team for so many weeks, and they have a shot to get the number two seed, or maybe not even make it at all. Uh, I think that that's the chaos that the, this new seven seed format I think created, and, and we got the kind of that weird quirkiness there. Uh, but I think the Bills will beat the Dolphins. Maybe I'm giving away some more picks for later on, but uh, that's number two right there. And then uh, obviously you got the Browns number five. 
And then uh, what we got? Okay, you know what? I think C.J. Stroud is going to shine on prime time to take one of those ball card spots there. Okay. And and then uh, to jump the Colts. And then I think the Jaguars. I've been I've been very critical of the Jaguars. They did handle business against the Panthers with C.J. Beathard, uh, twenty six to zero. But I say Jaguars handle business, win a division. Did I miss anybody from the open spots? You got it. Okay. Well done. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll try to be simple. So I think in the South, in both divisions, I think the teams that are currently first will win. I think Jacksonville will beat Tennessee. Um, I can see Tennessee putting up a fight. Like, by the way, you see Vrabel's press conference? Yeah. Where Vrabel's like, well, it, it sucks to lose. And I just teed off on some poor reporter. I'm like, like, all what right. What do you want me to do? Flip a table? Yeah, I'm like, hey, man, it is what it is. Yeah, I think, well, as much as I respect Mike Vrabel, I do think they will lose this weekend. I think Jacksonville will win. I think they'll be the four seed, which would set up Jacksonville hosting Cleveland. Um, and... I guess I can't imagine Tampa's losing to Carolina. Like I just can't. That that to me that would be one of the worst losses in franchise history. Which for the Bucks is really saying something. So I think those two teams will win. They'll be the respective four seeds in their conferences. Um, the Bears are a really, really, really intriguing team this weekend. I think the Packers win. I think the Bears are going to cover the three and a half. Like I think it's going to be a death match basically up at Lambeau. The Packers will get in. And by the way, I am with you, though, and I think it's a good point you brought up. If I'm the Rams, I would I would try to win that football game. Like, I understand you don't want to get anybody hurt. I get it. I'd far rather go to Detroit with the way their defense is playing than go to Dallas. I just would. And like, I get it. It's Dallas, and it's Mike McCarthy in a playoff game. And like, we all understand that they could win that game. But I'm with you. I'd rather go there. And I'll tell you what. That is a really interesting second-round game. If they beat Detroit or Dallas and they go to San Francisco – We've talked about this on the pod before. That is one team, if I'm the Niners, I don't want to play them. They are a weird matchup for San Francisco for a lot of reasons, but in any event, we can get to that next week. So I've got, I think that the Rams and the Packers will, will, well, the Rams are already in, but I think they'll both be wild cards along with, I think Philly's going to be a wild card. I think Dallas is going to win the division. Um, In the AFC, have Jacksonville as the four. I'm going to go the other way. I'll say Indy beats Houston. I don't have a ton of conviction either way. I'm just taking Indy because they're at home. Uh, I like their defense better. I just think they find a way. I, I got to say, I actually think, well, here, let me say this first. I think Buffalo is going to win as well. I'm with you. Um, Miami's just, Miami has the feel of a team right now with the defensive injuries. Kind of feels like a dead team walking. Like that's just kind of feel like they lose to Buffalo and then they go to Arrowhead and it's like, you're really going to win that game at Arrowhead when it's 10 degrees out? I don't know. You know, again, we'll get to that next week. But I'll tell you what, I don't know how you feel about this. I am very confident in the Bills this week, and then I am extremely unconfident if they play Indianapolis or Houston. <laughs> it's just like that's who they've been. Like I could see I could see Jonathan Taylor rushing for a buck fifty in that game. And it's just you're like, oh my God, is it really twenty seven to twenty three in the fourth quarter? Like, um I'm not even saying they'll lose. I just think it'd be a, a weird game that they could lose. Of all the games we just talked about, the games that involve these teams, you know, we think are going to make the playoffs. It always feels like there's one game that you look at the end of the day and go, "How the hell did that happen? Like, what? If you had to pick one of those games, which game would it be? Like in terms of being excited, like, or like one of these teams that are winning in that just fall apart this weekend. Fall apart. Uh, it's it's tough, man. Because I, maybe I guess it could be Buffalo, but it just feels like it's all set up for them because of the injuries to the Dolphins. And, hey, the Dolphins are at home, and maybe they figure something out. But I don't know. But Mike McDaniel, he's, he's a great coach when it comes to you know being an offensive play caller. But they can't adjust. And the one team that can't afford injuries is the Miami Dolphins because they can't adjust, and they can't figure out different schemes or or just kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a zone running scheme and bombs away uh, offensively. And defensively, they figure it out with Vic Fangio, but then now no Bradley Chubb, no Jalen Phillips. Uh, maybe no Xavier Howard, and we still got to monitor Raheem Mostert and and Jalen Waddle. But I guess to give you an answer, it could be Buffalo because it's it's it could be a nice you know uh, like a summary of the season. It's just up and down. They're not consistent, and when you want to believe in them, they go lay a dud maybe in Miami. So you they barely survive against the Patriots. They barely survive against the Chargers. Uh, you know they someone got a little lucky at Arrowhead Stadium to get that win. Uh, but to get four straight in a row to, from go six and six to go to be in the bye week and have a, having to sit for two weeks to that Philly loss in overtime, like yeah. that must have really tested you mentally. And to come out and win four straight, all credit to them. And then 
They're getting a little healthier defensively. You know, Sean McDermott's done a nice job too from a rough yes. patch. But I could see them maybe, you know, laying a stinker. And and why not? Because this season's been filled with upsets. Like it's never that easy. It's never that predictable. And I know we all, you know, kind of had a pencil did. Watch out for week 18, Miami and Buffalo. And we all somewhat got that one right. But how about just a weird ending where Miami, you know, proves people wrong with the narrative that they're soft and they can't be winning teams and they win that one? You know, I think that has to be the game. I, I mean, yeah, sure. Like, I almost picked Dallas and Washington because wouldn't that be the most oh, on brand yeah. thing in the world for Dallas to go down there and just get smoked week 18 by Sam Howell? Like, it would be the most, or Jacoby Brissett, whoever the hell's starting this week. I haven't paid enough attention to Washington. <laughs> um, but that game has to be it because, look, the Bills are capable of going to Miami and winning 49 to 17. They are also capable of Allen throwing three interceptions and then just just imploding in that game. And you walk away from it going, what the hell? Like, how did they like how did they manage that? A couple things about the Bills that worry me, and I do think they're gonna win this weekend, but they worry me in the playoffs, and I think they're gonna frankly be at the end of them at some point in the playoffs. Do you know that Stefan Diggs is not at a hundred yards since the beginning of October? I mean, he's been brutal. And Tim Graham at the Athletic great guy and wrote a hell of a piece. He pointed out something that I thought was really interesting. Like, not only are his numbers going down, he's barely playing compared to Shakur and Gabe Davis. Wow. Like, that's, I mean, he's seen less snaps than those guys over, I believe it was the last three weeks. It's very odd. Like, it's a very, very odd thing. Like, why would that be the case? And yet, here we are. Now, look, for the season... Diggs is still seeing plenty of snaps. Okay, he's still 81%, but that's that's well below Gabe Davis, who's at 87. And if you go back last year, for comparison's sake, which I think is important, Davis did, again, lead them last year uh, because Diggs only played in 16 of the games. But Diggs, even with... Now, he played 77% of the snaps. It's like, okay, is it that far down... Does it, is it, does it make a huge difference? I mean, last year he played 836 snaps total on offense. This year he's at 880. So it's not like it's a crazy drop, but over the game by game this year, that's where it gets a little more interesting. So if you look at it, like early in the year, he's at almost 100%, like well over 90, over and over and over. Then right around when he starts dropping off statistically, makes sense. He's at like 87, 86 84, then you go 80, 79, 75, 66, 65, 60, and then 45.6. Like, so early early on in the year, he was mostly well above 80. Like, well above 80. And then the last, like, you know, in week three and week four, because they won by such huge margins, he, he was 76%, 66%. His lowest snap counts of the year by percentage, the last three weeks. Like, that is significant right now. Gabe Davis has also had many games this year where he hasn't had a catch. So, like, does Diggs show up in this game? Or does Ramsey blanket Diggs and Gabe Davis has one of these days where he has one catch for nine yards? I just don't trust Miami. We've seen this over and over. At the same point, this is a Miami team that almost beat him in Buffalo last year in a primetime game, in a meaningful game, and then almost beat him with Skylar Thompson in a playoff game. So anything's possible. Let's uh, let's keep going, though. Look, so we already kind of touched on the second of our storylines and went pretty deep on it, which is the breakdown of this Bills-Dolphins game, so we won't have to go there. But I just want to talk big picture for a second. So if the Bills lose this game, and let's say they don't make the playoffs, let's say that they don't get help and they, they, they miss – do you think McDermott's back? Do you think he should be back? Yeah, if if they don't win this game and they miss the playoffs, I think he has to maybe strongly consider a, a change here. But, you know, winning these four games in a row to get to this point to win a division, I'm sure, you know, goes a long way with, with, with ownership and the front office. But you've done this dance for a few years now. And, you know, you point out those numbers on Stephon Diggs. Maybe they're, they're trying to prepare for, like, life without Diggs. It could be changes next year. So, uh, and they're like in this weird phase too, uh, you know, going off of the the offensive side. Like they don't figure, they don't want, they don't know who they are. Like either they're bombs away with Gabe Davis and, and, and Stephon Diggs, or they want to run the football heavily with James Cook, which you know Joe Brady has really, you know, emphasized. But I was watching that Chargers game pretty closely. It was that weird Peacock. I don't know why I was watching closely, but <laughs> it was on TV. 
And you could tell like they, they were having these issues like, who do you want to be here? And, you know, at th this stage, you know, you've been together. This, this core has been together for the longest. I get you went through a new OC, but you got to at some point figure it out. And they've been winning these games pretty ugly. McDermott's done a nice job, you know, with, you know, all the injuries to have some good game plans. And that's why a part of it, too, why I feel like the, the Bills are going to beat the Dolphins. Like week four, when they won 48 to 20, McDermott had an, a, a great, great game plan to frustrate Tua and say, yep. you're not going down the field here. I'm going to blitz you. Uh, I'm going to make you guess here. And, and it worked to perfection. So uh, I think if you look at the full sample side, maybe we get to another year. But imagine on primetime football, week 18, game 272, everybody's watching. And it's right there. And you missed the playoffs because, you know, the Steelers beat the, the, the backup team for the Ravens and the Jaguars beat the, the Titans. So it could definitely happen. And, you know, I, I know for a while people were saying it could be eight to ten head coaching vacancies. Now it could be maybe like five or six. And I don't know. I don't know if I, if I see McDermott being one of those guys. I don't think he's going to get fired. I think the only way he gets fired is if they just get absolutely like deep pantsed on national health. Like if they lost that game, something like 45 to 17 or something. Like if, so, if it just went really haywire, maybe. I get why Bill's fans are frustrated with Charles McDermott. I get it. And the whole controversy around his pregame, not pregame, actually, it was a training camp, his training camp conversation, his training camp, you know, pep talk, if you will, that involved 9 11. Like, that wasn't great. Okay. Um, but they've turned that franchise around him there. I mean, I think sometimes people have a short memory. The Bills sucked for 20 straight years. I mean, they were a complete dumpster fire. Okay. I went to college not far from Buffalo from 06 to 09, and I, I know and you know, knew at the time tons of Bills fans. That team was abominable back then. I mean, they were, you know, Ryan Edwards was the quarterback, Trent Edwards. Trent Edwards was a quarterback. I mean, they, they were hideous. J.P. Loesman. I mean, that team, ugly jerseys, ugly record, and Tom Brady beating them was pretty much the three guaranteed things every year with that football team. So what you want with McDermott? They won three straight AFC titles, trying to make it a fourth on Sunday. They went to the AFC title game in 2020. They went to the divisional round each of the last years. Now, if you want to argue it the other way, you could say, yeah, they're not making enough progress. Allen, for all of his gifts, he's not getting better. He's not getting worse, but he's not getting better. Like, he had that breakout year in 2020, and then after that, like he's been good the last years. He didn't make the Pro Bowl yesterday. I mean, now the, now the Pro Bowl's a farce, okay? I'm not trying to make yeah. the Pro Bowl out like it's the end-all be-all. But I also would argue that he probably didn't deserve to make the Pro Bowl. Like, he hasn't been as good as some of these other guys. So that's the indictment if you want to go that route. And the other route is in the playoffs, they have had meltdowns. The 13 seconds game, Cincinnati going in there and, and just beating the daylights out of them with, with half of an offensive line, almost losing to Skylar Thompson and Phillip Rivers in your own building. Like, it, it's been – they've had some close calls. So – you can make that call. I do not think he will be fired. Now, on the flip side of Miami, big picture, I think if they lose this game, I mean, look, McDaniel's safe. Like, we don't have to talk about that. But, like, if they lose this game and they get beat up in this football game and they go to Kansas City in the playoffs, which they will if they lose, I don't know how you feel. I am by no means overly high in the Chiefs right now, who I think are great defensively. Offensively, it's like what week do you get them on? I don't know how you are with this. I don't think they're beating Kansas City in a playoff game there. Like, if they got to go into that building and play them, I, I, don't, I don't think they're doing it. So, if that happens and they, they flame out, let's say they lose to the Chiefs, you know, 27 to, I don't know, 17. If you're a Dolphins fan, you're looking at it going, all right, yeah, we're better now. We're good. But, like, are we, are we good enough to really challenge Kansas City and Buffalo and Baltimore and Cincy when they're right? I don't know how you could say yes. Yeah, the, the only thing I feel like the benefit if they win that game on, on Sunday night is I could see the Dolphins as a two seed beating, you know, the, the Texans or the Colts, but then well, they'd get the Steelers. Or even or that maybe they would get maybe, the Steelers. Yeah, actually you're you're right. Yeah, it'd be a, a scenario there. But you know, it'll it'll be tough, but I think I feel like they could beat those three teams right there with whichever one. Oh yeah. But when you get to the division round, it's kinda like, all right, I have I don't have no faith in you, Miami and like, does that sound like a number two team? No, like they're not a legit number two team. So, and maybe in Buffalo to an extent too. But you know, to, even if it is that that matchup you mentioned at the first round with Arrowhead, I don't have any faith in the Dolphins to win that on the road. We we saw it in Germany. Like, the, like the, the Chiefs, you know, barely won that game because they had a a scoop and score touchdown, and and the score just kind of held up at the end, and and they won that game. So, it, they have injuries. They don't they don't know how to adjust in in game. 
They don't they don't really know how to win on the road. And the only big time win they've had this year was, you know, the Cowboys at home. So if you're starting on the road, that's a problem there too. Maybe you get to a division round. Maybe you're one of the top four teams at AFC. I got no problem with that. After that, I, I, you're asking for a lot. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to lie to you. Just from the enjoyment and the competitive standpoint, divisional round, Buffalo hosting Kansas City would be an insane football game. Like that would be – you've got Buffalo who's, who's basically – look, they'd be frothing at the mouth for that football game. And then you'd have a Chiefs team going in there that would be like, well, we beat you every time we have to play you in the playoffs. So let's dance. That would be, to me, the best division or the best weekend of football all year is a divisional round. Like, I would love, man. Could you imagine? And there's a very real scenario this happens Baltimore against Joe Flacco and the Browns, the Chiefs in Buffalo, the Rams at the Niners, and the Eagles at the Cowboys. I mean, that's, nice. that's a weekend of football. <laughs> that would be, I mean, you could talk about who's the favorite. Any of those teams could win those games. Like, it wouldn't be shocking, to me anyway, if the Rams beat the Niners. I wouldn't be shocked if Cleveland beat Baltimore. I wouldn't be shocked if Philadelphia went to Dallas or Kansas City went to Buffalo and won. Like, those would be those would be great games. How about the Cowboys getting a, a home playoff game in the division round to finally end the streak out not making it to the NMC title game in three decades? Like, that'd be right there for them. Yeah. Well, you I mean, again, you'd have a scenario maybe coming out of that where it'd be like, Dallas and San Francisco in the NFC title game, old school, bring it back. Yeah. And then you'd have like, let's say Baltimore wins against whoever comes out of Buffalo, Kansas City. I mean, you would like, you could have some great matchups in the divisional yeah. round. I might have to, might have to see if SI's got a little travel budget there. <laughs> you know, go to those yeah. games. KC and Buffalo would be very intriguing too. To see the kind of the ta- tables have turned, and it'd be one, it'd be a weird thing because if that game materializes, like all the pressure in the world's on Buffalo in that game. Yeah. You've got to win. You're at yeah. home. You haven't won. Like the Chiefs would be in a very odd position of being like, "Hey, we got nothing to lose in this game." Like it would be, it would be very, very. I'd love to see that football game. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to go to our bigger story section quickly. Um, Justin Fields. He's played well recently. Well enough, and the Bears have played well recently. The Bears are 7-9, and nine, which doesn't sound incredible. But then you factor in that last year, they started out 2-1 and one, and then proceeded to win one more game the rest of the year. They went 3-14. They were awful. Obviously, ended up finishing with the first overall pick to trade out of. Now they have the first overall pick again, but it's because Carolina stinks. And the Bears have two first-rounders, number one overall as well, excuse me. Um, if you look at Fields here, he started awful, awful, awful this year. It was terrible. 
first three games. Since his first three games, he has thrown, and, and mind you, he was inactive for a month with a thumb injury. So, fact that he, so since his first three games, played nine games since, he's thrown for 13 touchdowns. He's only thrown five picks. And his completion percentage is not great on the year. It's 61%. It's been up and down, even recently, a little up and down. Um, one game this year, over 300 yards passing, came against Denver in a, in a game that actually blew, although it was no fault of fields in that game. Um, so I ask you, what is the bigger story? Fields' improved play over the last, let's say, six weeks. Or do you think it's the number one draft pick sitting there for Chicago where obviously if they want to, they can take, let's say, Caleb Williams or Drake May? Which is the bigger story? In which would, What direction would you go? I'll go with, with Justin Fields. And when you mentioned that he got hurt, like if he stayed healthy the entire season, they'd probably make a playoff, maybe a wild card. They team, really might have, yeah. So that really will go a long way. And, you know, just to kind of, you know, make a point here because I, I'm not always right, you know, surprise, surprise. But one of the, I don't know if you remember this, Matt, for our, our bold prediction at SI. I had a very specific uh, prediction, and I said, the Bears are going to struggle early, but they're going to have a, a, a 2022 Detroit Lions-like finish where they fall short of the, of the playoffs. So if they beat the Packers in 89, I'm, I'm going to take that victory lap and say, see, I, I called that one. I got something yeah. there. But... Hey, Fields has been an impressive. That connection with DJ Moore has been pretty lethal against you know to against opposing defenses. And I don't know how much weight that carries, but DJ Moore is out there vouching Justin Fields, the guy you got to keep Justin Fields. I don't even get why people are talking about this. Well, DJ Moore, they have the number one pick, and they're gonna have options over Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, maybe a Jaden Daniels. But you know, I think having Fields develop and show progress, improvement that he's not just reliant on on, on running the football. You know, he's, he's still very dangerous on, on that aspect, but to develop with DJ Moore and, and be, become a little, little more polished as a passer, it just opens up opportunities for the Bears to, hey, you want to trade down maybe two spots to take a Marvin Harrison Jr. to pair with DJ Moore and Justin Fields and get a first-round pick out of it and get more picks? Like, you're just building up the franchise because this roster, maybe before that trade went down with the Bryce Young trade, they probably had the worst roster in the NFL. And now they've added pieces and pieces with these trades. So you make another one like that, you're really building. And, and I just don't get this, this, this thing where, like, you know, you get Caleb Williams or, or Drake Man, whatever it is. Maybe you fire Matt Eberflus. Like, why do you want to hit the reset button where you're finally seeing the progress? Like, you knew how long this progress was going to be. And I'm actually surprised I'm talking like this because for you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said, take the quarterback all day. It's not working right now. But the, the results are out there. You're building. And I think with Fields doing the development and flourishing and you have the number one pick, it just creates a bunch of options. Even if you go get the quarterback, you could flip fields for a second-round pick, maybe a first-round pick. So he's a good quarterback right now, and I think that really opens up the, the window of opportunities for the Chicago Bears. Great points. I I would take Caleb Williams hmm. because you can flip fields, which you mentioned, and get a pick. Also, fields is eligible for an extension this offseason. And whether it's this year or next, if he becomes what you hope he becomes, you're you're talking about spending forty five, fifty million a year. Now, that, now look, that's not a bad problem to have. Like then you got a good quarterback. And if he doesn't become that, well then you're kind of screwed because he didn't become a really good quarterback. My problem with Fields is this: I like him, but do I ever think he's going to be a top five, top eight guy in the NFL? I don't. I don't. I just don't think he's going to become that. I don't think he's consistent enough as a passer. And if you get Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever you like, and that kid ends up being like an elite, elite player. You're set, and you got him cheap for years, and you still have the pick you get for Fields and the and another pick. You have your own pick, so that's what I would do if I'm Chicago. I would keep Eberflus. I think he's done a hell of a job, quite honestly. That team. I mean, who the hell thought they'd be seven and nine right now after the way that season started, yeah. right? So, I would I would definitely keep Eberflus. I would go the route of Caleb Williams personally. At the same point, if they don't, I get it. Because look, the point you make is fair. Like, if they trade that number one overall pick, they're getting three first-round picks. They're getting a fortune for that. So it's not a crazy decision. Like, you could certainly do that. There's even a world, like, the other part of this is, too, what if you what if you make that trade and you trade back, let's say, to, I'm just throwing a number out there, like, pick five. Maybe you do that trade and you, you trade, you, you get Jaden Daniels or Penix. You just yeah. get a quarterback anyway. 
And then Why he stole all these picks. So there's a lot of options on the, on the table for, for Ryan Poles. No question. Yeah, and, and it definitely starts with Justin Field developing. And, I, you know, I'll get some credit to Matt Eberflus, too, because, you know, he was in the hot seat. And to see him be number one run defense in the NFL, they're obviously they're, they're, they struggle in the pass defense, but they keep the cornerback at Johnson, right? You know, maybe they, they'll, they'll develop there and get some pieces to get the secondary. But they're, they're showing progress, both sides, offense and defense. And I feel like, you know, why, why mess with that? But then again, if they really like Caleb Williams and they feel like he's a for sure guy, go ahead and do it. But we've seen these draft picks, and I know Justin feels part of that 2021. But even like a guy with Trevor Lawrence, everybody says he's going to be the next, you know, Andrew Luck, and he hasn't really been that guy. So really, it's going to be something where you really trust your, your scouting department and you bet on the guy. But it's good to have options, and Chicago's done something right. Yeah. I, listen, no question. Um, they deserve a lot of credit. They deserve a lot of credit for everything that they've been able to do here the last three months after what looked like a complete tire <laughs> yeah. fire early on. Two months um, ago. It's wild. Oh, it's nuts. Just goes, just, things change, man. Things change in a hurry. All right. So week 18 here. We're not going to run down the lines because – We've already given you who we think are going to win a lot of these games. Yeah. It matter. I, I don't think anybody really gives a damn if you know the, the Chargers cover, and if you do, you're sick. Um, <laughs> so instead, we're just going to kind of run down some awards quick. We're not going to dwell on these. We're not going to take forever. Um, some of them I think are pretty obvious. Week 18, going into it here, a lot of guys already sitting, so I think the awards are kind of what they are at this point. Who do you have as your MVP? Yeah, I think Lamar Jackson wrapped it up a week ago. And to put that beat down on the Dolphins in the same week you beat the 49ers, it was a Monday night football game. You're the one traveling. And then coming home in six days, uh, notice to beat Miami. And yeah, they were a little banged up. No, no Moster, no, no, no Jalen Waddle. But hey, you know, to to do that, you know, and then also not let up to like 56 points. That's a lot. They right put there. it on him. <laughs> yeah. So they were trying to, you know, you know, make a statement, win the number one seed, win the division. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, Lamar Jackson, I get that the numbers aren't as pretty as some of these other quarterbacks, but you got to account for everything. Like, you know, you got to keep that guy in the pocket. He's going to extend play. He's going to frustrate uh, opposing players, you know, every single week. He, he still runs heavily with his, with his legs, but not as much. And that's that's the dangerous part. He's He keeps improving as a passer. When he won that first MVP, he was just a very accurate down down the field, you know, quarterback. Now he's, you know, using all, all you know all sides of the field, uh, I think he might. I haven't checked, but I think he was a seventy percent uh, completion percentage for a long time. Maybe he's still there. Maybe not. They're passing the ball a little more. But to me, Matt, when I saw that shootout against the Rams a few weeks back, I'm like, all right, they answered some questions for me because I felt like you know those modest numbers were saying, okay, you might be the team that still likes to play with the lead. You like to run the football, but they, they could go toe to toe with anybody. And to do what they did to the Forty Niners in in Miami back in the, in the same same week, back to back victories, I think to me said, okay, you have the best record. You're the most dangerous offensive player in the NFL. Uh, you got good enough numbers. So for me, that was good enough. I'm short and sweet. I'm with you. By the way, he's completing 67% of his passes. Okay. A little drop uh, I looked it up for you. So um, the one argument I, I have not understood the last couple of weeks, and I, I will just quickly, in my opinion, dispel it. The idea that like Lamar Jackson hasn't thrown for enough mm -hmm. touchdowns. The guy's thrown 24 touchdown passes. And I've seen a lot of like people on, on Twitter, especially people who are fans of teams that have established quarterbacks, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, where doesn't throw enough touchdowns. He's thrown 24 touchdowns this year against seven picks. Josh Allen's thrown 27 touchdowns to three more. He's thrown 16 interceptions. I mean, it's not even close. And Mahomes, who, look, I, I mean, he's not been helped out by the fact that nobody on that team can catch. But, like, he's got 27 touchdown passes. He's got 14 interceptions. I mean, Jackson... Now, he's not throwing for the yardage that those guys throw. Mahomes is at 41.83. Allen's at 39.47. Okay, Lamar is well below that. He is at 36.78. Okay, but Lamar also has run for much more than those guys have. And, look, do I think Lamar Jackson's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes? No. Do I think he's an MVP this year? Yeah, I do. I mean, those are two separate conversations. Um, and the one thing I don't buy into, I'm sorry. I don't care how upset this makes a few people out there. Like, look. I don't care that you ran for a touchdown from the one yard line. I don't care. <laughs> Just stop. Like I don't care. Like I had people DMing or not DMing me, tweeting at me like Allen scored two touchdowns against New England. Like, he ran for one yard twice. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like if you run it in from the fifteen, call me. Which by the way, he does sometimes. But it's it's the same way I felt about when the argument with Jalen Hurts last year against Mahomes and people would be like, 
Well, he's rushed for 15 touchdowns. It, he's got 10 off the touch push. I mean, who cares? So, I, to me, the total touchdown thing, at times it can matter. But when, like, 12 of those are because, like, you fell over from three feet out, I don't really care. Like, Lamar Jackson's degree of difficulty this year has been significant. He does not have Mark Andrews. Keaton Mitchell's out for the year. Dobbins has been out the whole year. Ronnie Stanley's been in and out of the lineup consistently for them. Like, Zay Flowers is their best receiver. He's a rookie. I mean, and he's been good, by the way. But, like, his degree of difficulty has been harder, in my opinion, than what has been around the league. I mean, Dak has better weapons. Purdy, obviously, has much better weapons. Lamar Jackson deserves to be the MVP this season. So, we we agree and we can move on. Who do you have as your offensive player of the year? Offensive player of the year. Uh, man. Because Tyreek Hill kind of dipped a little bit at the injury and didn't reach the 2K. But, and CeeDee Lamb has been just lights out. I want to say maybe you had him in the preseason, by the way, Matt. So, credit to you on that one. Uh, but, uh, you know what? I'll go with Tyreek Hill. He's been doing it all year. Yeah, he had the injury there. But he's just so – I know it's not MVP, but he's so important to the offense there. And, like, we, everybody knows where the football is going down the field. And you still can't cover the guy and to still be averaging those numbers, you know, uh, on, on a, every Sunday on a weekly basis to to flirt with uh, you know two thousand yards there he didn't get it but to me you know I know I call Lamar Jackson a dangerous weapon but um, Tyreek Hill might be number one overall regardless of position so you, you know it's coming you can't account for it you can't figure it out so you know I think I'm okay with the offensive player of the year it's so funny watching Tyreek Hill like when teams try to double him and the second he takes off off the line he's just gone like just immediately one guy's just a, or he's not a factor anymore. And he's like sitting down now. He's like having fun out there. He's like this this weird stance he's doing. Yeah, when he goes in motion, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I will go with Christian McCaffrey. Um, McCaffrey is going to win the rushing title. McCaffrey. Mm. So Kyron Williams, who's had a great year under the radar for a lot of people, by the way. Kyron Williams is second in the league in rushing yardage. He's three hundred and fifteen yards behind Christian McCaffrey. Like it's it's unbelievable. And then you factor in, of course, McCaffrey's such a, a great pass catcher as well. So McCaffrey total, if I can do the math really quick, McCaffrey has, yeah, he has still over 2,000 yards from scrimmage this year and 21 oh. touchdowns. Like, he's my guy. I got to go offensive player of the year for him. Um, he's just been invaluable. And I know he's surrounded by a ton of guys. It makes his life a little bit easier. I get all that. I, I got to go that way. Um, all right, who do you have a defensive player of the year? Who do you like? Yeah, this one was a yeah a little tough here, but you know, I think Miles Garrett he he is the one guy or not shouldn't be the one guy, but one a few people could single handedly wreck a game. And to see, I know there was moments where the that Browns defense had some let ups there, like that we the Colts game comes to mind. Uh, I, I know I know the Ravens and them had a shootout, but they're still you know probably top two defense in the NFL. They had some injuries too in the secondary, and he was still holding it down to you know get the sacks, you know. Get you know to create to create an interception you know just because you're, you're you're putting your hands in the air to block a field goal like this guy's a monster and to see it finally happen with help like the, all the moves that Browns made in the offseason, it was to help Miles Garrett like we all see the the pro football focus numbers like yeah they they kind of stink overall they don't really do anything and then you see Miles Garrett okay well he's good but he doesn't have a lot of help and then you finally put the help on there and they're top two top one whatever category and most defensive categories that, that really matter. So, you know, I, I know it hasn't been a full, consistent picture, but Miles Garrett is a game wrecker, and, you know, I got no problem with Miles Garrett. So, it's funny. First of all, I'm with you. I'm picking Miles Garrett, okay? The Browns this year are four or five, seventh in sacks. They have 46 sacks as a team, all right? Um, they are a little above average in blitz rate, and yet, they they get a ton of pressure. They're top 10 in the league. The reason I'm bringing all this up is I know there are a lot of Steelers fans who the second you say Miles Garrett, they're like, T.J. Watt? Like, yeah. I, I, I get it. Like, T.J. Watt's leading the league, and look, he is phenomenal. You can't go wrong. The one thing I'll say, though, is I feel like, and I know, I know there were parts of the year these guys have missed, but like Alex Highsmith is a damn good player across from him. And Hayward, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer. Okay. You have those guys on that front with him. Miles Garrett, like you alluded to the fact they got him help. They, they did. They brought in like Zedaria Smith and they brought in Oconqua. You want to take a guess? After Miles Garrett, 
who like now it's it's Zadari Smith. He's who's second in sacks. You know how many sacks he has on that team? I'll say like four or five. Five and a half. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's nobody else. Like Miles Garrett is the guy that every single like if they play Jacksonville in the playoffs this weekend or next weekend, excuse me. Next weekend. You and I both know Doug Peterson sitting down there and he's circling a, putting a big old circle around 95. And he's like, that guy. Like, whatever it takes. Stop that guy. Now, you're circling 90 for the Steelers, but you're also circling Highsmith and you're also circling Hayward. You're not doing that with Cleveland. Like, you're circling Garrett and you're like, okay, if Oconquo can beat me, go nuts, man. Like, beat me. Fine. I don't care. You, it, Garrett, to me, is when he's rolling, he's as dominant as anybody in football. He would get my nod. I think he deserves it. Also, quietly, shout out to Deron Bland, who has six pick sixes this year. Yeah. Like, that's insane. But I, yeah, I'm going with I'm going with Garrett. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go, coach of the year. Let's go, coach of the year. Coach of the year. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll stick with Cleveland, and I'll go Kevin Stefanski. And you know, I wanted to go with Dan Campbell. And, and I also, I want to just say this: I don't like this this uh, this kind of criteria where, like, if you're a new coach, a first year coach, and you take a team from last to first, you automatically get the coach of the year. So obviously, I like what the Nico Ryan's have done and Shane Sykin and, and you know, coaches like that. But you know, it's okay to give it to a guy, you you know, and also, too, like, if you won it, like, you can't ever win it again. I don't get that part. Like, John Harbaugh, maybe it's Sean McVay could be involved, uh, even in Kyle Shanahan, but I don't, I'm not even sure if Kyle Shanahan's ever won it. But, uh, you know, going with Stefanski, he just had so much to overcome, like, all the, the quarterback shuffling. And then, like, you know, one quarterback is not, the, like, Deshaun Watson wasn't playing so well, so you have to adjust your scheme to maybe a little more run heavy. You lose Nick Chubb. And then Joe Flacco comes. Oh, this guy actually throw it down the field. Well, let's let's uh, let's tweak the scheme, and they're bombs away with David and Joku suddenly now playing like an All Pro. So a credit to Joe Flacco uh, on that one. And then you also have a complete team with, with I know it's Jim Swartz handling defense, but he's still the head coach. He's oversees everything. So you have a good defense, a good offense. You, you won eleven games, and after and right now they're they're dealing with a bunch of injuries in the offensive line, and you're still scoring that much with Joe Flacco, thirty year quarterback. So I think just all the issues that occurred throughout the year, and to still you know, going to week 18, not caring about where you're going to go into the playoffs because you already locked it up, I think goes a long way for Stefanski. I hear you, and I and I agree with you. Stefanski's my guy. I, I think Kevin Stefanski deserves it. They've, they've started now with Driscoll this weekend. It's going to be five quarterbacks. <laughs> has any team – I mean, I look, I actually want to do the research on this because I'm enough of a nerd at some point to do this. Has any team ever made the playoffs in a non-strike year with five different starting quarterbacks? Th- that's know. insane. Good question. Like, five, and, and you, know, you you even want to draw a Driscoll front four, 
in 16 weeks, 16 meaningful weeks, of four quarterbacks. And Flacco, my God, he looks like he's going to make the Pro Bowl. It's been unbelievable. Now, he's thrown 10 picks, but like, it doesn't matter. Keeps overcoming it. Um, Stefanski's my guy. They, they've overcome so much. Campbell deserves love. Harbaugh deserves some credit. Uh, but I feel like those teams, like you expected those teams to be good. Like it's not like that's some unbelievable coaching job. We're in Cleveland. I remember watching them in the preseason and thinking, I don't know, man. Like I was at camp watching. It was ugly. It was not good. <laughs> like I, I was there um, and I was watching, I don't think, with uh, Ben Solak of the Ringer. And we're watching practice. It was, man, it was pouring, soaking wet standing there. And I'm watching, and I like, we were both times like, oh, ooh. Like he was, <laughs> I mean, there's some balls that were like, skipping on the raindrops off the ground. Like, this is not good. <laughs> and he's got that team not only in the playoffs, but like somewhat dangerously in the playoffs. So I'm with you. Um, if I had to go second and third place, so I would go with Steichen and Ryans. Nobody thought those teams were going to be any good. Yeah. Nobody. And Steichen lost his quarterback. Hell of a job. Hell of a job by those guys. All right, last award here. Uh, comeback player of the year. Now, I'll preface this by saying... This is a little bit different than normal. Like a lot of times yep. you're sitting there looking at guys, you're like, okay, this guy came back from a blown out knee. This guy came back from this. DeMar Hamlin literally came back from being dead. Now, the down, now, like on that alone, you're like, well, that guy's got to be the comeback player of the year. But then there's also like, he hasn't played much this year. He's been inactive most of the game. So there has been that conversation. Would you still just give it to Hamlin based on what is obviously an incredible heartwarming story? Or would you go another route? Cause somebody's maybe played more, had more of an impact. Yeah, I honestly want to know what Demar Hamlin thinks about this. Like, hey, like, would he say, you know what? I don't really want. It. I haven't played that much, but you know, I I don't know. Like, but to me, you know, it is a it is a you know a story that where he came a lot of adversity, like you mentioned. You know, he's on the field. You know, was wasn't responding, and then to come back and to make the fifty three man roster, I think was a big deal, and then to also contribute. And the reason why for me it's kind of been on my radar for the for the start of the season when I saw he was a he was. A cannon to not even make the roster for for the Bills fifty three man. I, I said, you know what the heck, I you know I won't I won't pick it for comeback player of the year. And and I, I know uh, or my editors had to check in. Are you sure you don't want to put in Demar Hamlin? And I went with, with Lamar Jackson. I was like, I just not I'm not sure he's gonna play enough. I'm not sure he's even gonna make the right. roster. He did, and it's a good story. So I'm now here really debating about it. But I can't get over the fact that he hasn't played enough. You know, I, I forget fifteen to twenty snaps, and yeah, it is a remarkable story. But the other part, too, I keep changing my mind who's going to be. Like, Lamar Jackson, obviously, is going to be the MVP, so he's not even in the category anymore for comeback player of the year. So, you know, it's funny how that works. Like, you could come back from something, but if you're too good, you don't count anymore because you're MVP. But, uh, you know, I cha- I was going to say, actually, Baker Mayfield a week until last week, and then yeah. he just had a he's terrible still on the game. He's been great. It, it, obviously, he's, he's still there. And then for me, that's the other part. If I'm going to say Hamlin shouldn't be the, the comeback player of the year because he doesn't have enough snaps, then I can't pick Joe Flacco. He doesn't have enough games for me. He's True. been great. Yep. So you know what? So I'm just gonna go here because I just can't over can't get over Baker Mayfield stinker last week. I'm gonna go Matthew Stafford. You know, I, I covered that team a year ago. They were atrocious, but he was beat up. Got the spinal cord contusion. I was in New Orleans, Matt, and this guy was saying he couldn't feel his legs. He couldn't feel the lower half of his body. Like, and I'm like, is this guy gonna play football again? He had a severe concussion too, maybe the week a week before before that. And this guy's a, he's a gamer. He's tough. For him to you know how to sit out the rest of the year. We were really considering he's not going to play anymore. And then there was talks about being traded to the Jets, yeah. too. And to, for him to do this. Like and also should have retired immediately. Yeah, like what just, are you just doing Just that conversation here? alone, the man should have retired. It's it's tough. And to be 3-6 and six also this season with a bunch of young guys. Like I think uh, there's like 40 people who are either rookies or newcomers to the team. And to make it all work together and to be clicking and to make the Pro Bowl. I know the Pro Bowl doesn't matter. <laughs> but I, I think we're overlooking Matthew Stafford a bit. And I'll go with him for my pick. Good pick. Solid pick. Look, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. You could go a lot of different ways. I have no problem. You, you want to you go Stafford? you want to go Mayfield? you want to go – Flacco I don't think he's played enough. Like, I, I just – I mean, he's been there for a month. Um, I personally – I just feel like I'm almost compelled. I have to go with DeMar Hamlin. I mean, the guy died on the football field last year. Yeah. Like, for me, once he took one snap this year – he won that award for me. Now, I understand people who go, hey, look, man, he is nowhere near the impact that other guys have had. I get it. I, no argument. The guy was clinically dead on a football field and came back. And to me, it, it's just a hard thing 
for me to overlook and be like, I can't, you know, I, I just, I feel like I have to, I feel like I have to vote for him. Um, for the record, I'll have a vote, but if I did, I, that's how yeah. I would go. Um, so I'll go with the more high one. And, uh, it's, but it's going to be I, interesting I just, to see how it plays out though. Like what the vote make the vote people are going to do it. Fascinating. All right. Uh, what's, uh, what's been going on in your life? We haven't talked here since the holiday. Uh, what, what's new? Yeah, you know what? I kind of go go back to a little more New Year's uh, Day talk, and like you, like we were talking, hey, we we don't we're not at the age where we're going out and waiting for midnight and all that. But I guess I've, I'm now at the age where I wake up early at New Year's Day and I go to the Rose Parade. And you know, I, I'm from Pasadena. I grew up there, so I'm, I'm I'm used to the Rose Parade. But there was a few years where I just stopped going. I'm like, okay, I, I've I've been there, done that. And maybe because I I in my 20s I used to go out. I'm too tired. I won't wake up. And then when I got older, you know what? I value sleep. I don't even want to wake up. But uh, this, this year, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend, Caroline, she's never gone to the Rose Parade. So I thought, you know what? Let's go do it. And we woke up early, a little little bit of a grind. And my mom lives like ha- less than less than a block from the Rose Parade, the Colorado Boulevard. So they cool. had front they had front row seats for us. Uh, and we got there. And, and, and it was cool. You know, <laughs> it was uh, uh, where we are. They, it's the back end of the parade, so by the time people get there, it's like it's three mile walk, and then people are like trying to give their best effort. They're, they're they see the, they see the finish line. They're a little tired there, uh, and I, I'm not even sure I should tell this story, but it, I haven't gone in a few years, so I, maybe I missed this before. But I guess now they have people standing behind the horses with a trash can and a, and like a broom to just pick up all the poop, <laughs> and people just kept saying "poopers, scoopers," and screaming and giving them applause, and it was it was a good time and. And I'm like, okay, I'm finally at the age where I woke up early and enjoyed New Year's Day. Watched Michigan, Alabama. What a great game, too. Yeah, you know, New Year's Day, I drove 13 hours from uh, New York back to back to the Chicago area where I live, and I, I got to give it to my daughter, man. She's six. Well, my oldest daughter, she's six, and she drove both ways, and she was just couldn't be happier. Fine, like no problem. How long is it that? Oh, we have nine hours left. <laughs> oh, okay, it's not that bad. Sit there and, you know, so she was great. But I got home for, for overtime at the Alabama-Michigan game, sat down until the end of it. I will tell you, I've always wanted to go to the Rose Bowl. I've never been there. So one of these days, I'll get my, my rear end out there because I've always wanted to go. Always. It's like on my bucket list for football. I always wanted to go there. I always wanted to cover a game at Lambeau. Did the Lambeau thing this year. Um, in fact, saw two games at Lambeau this year. Um, would like to get to Pasadena. That's awesome. Um for me, and nothing crazy, I would just say, like, this is, like, this is my favorite time of the year. I mean, there are other year, other times of the year, too. Like, I'll, Even though I'm not a huge college basketball guy, although I, I do like St. John's and I follow them, like, I love March Madness. I'm a complete, I'm weird in the sense, like, I won't even really get seriously into college basketball until right around now, because our jobs are just so all-consuming with football, right? Like, yeah. and. And then I, I have two kids and a wife, and I'm trying to watch the Knicks, and I'm trying to watch the Dallas, and it's just like, if I start watching St. John's and they're playing Hofstra, I'm divorced, okay? So I, I, I kind of got to wait till we get into the conference players are into now. But like, I'll kind of casually watch it, and then I'll start really watching it like as we get down the stretch. And then by the time like, we, we, get to the, we get to March Madness, I'll sit down and watch the Sunday Selection Show, and it's, I don't know how you are with this, but... I haven't watched Utah State one time. I couldn't name anybody off that team, but I'm looking at the bracket. I'm like, yeah, I like Utah State in this game. And it's, I just love sitting down and watching like the days, like the, the round of 64. It's just awesome. Like, I hope John doesn't assign us anything those days because I'm not getting anything done. Um, <laughs> Is it during the week of free agency? Hopefully not, right? Or after? It's like, yeah, it's always right around it. It's usually yeah. like the week of, yeah, it's like Thursday, Friday. So. Yeah. I don't give a damn about those playing games and Dayton. That's all nonsense. Yeah, yeah. But like, man, I love now. I don't need to know anything about Belmont when they're playing like as a 15 seed and some two seeds on the ropes. Oh, I'll tell you what, man. What was it, I think a year ago, two years ago, when Kentucky lost to like St. Peter's in the 215 yeah. game. St. Peter's is from Jersey, like right around where all my family's from. So everybody was going nuts because St. Peter's is beating Calipari, who to me, oh, he can't lose enough. But in any event, like I, I loved it. So that is a fun time of year. But this is a long way of saying I love this time of year. Where the NFL playoffs. One thing about football, every game's game seven. There's yeah. no like, ah, oh, you know, if you split these games on on the road, then you go home. no, no. Like you got one game, you better bring it. You better have all you have. Yeah, and it's. I just I love it. like there's you know yeah. A lot of the games, they go the way you expect, but some of them don't. 
and there's always one or two in the playoffs. You're like, how did that team win that game? Like, that's what makes it so much fun. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and uh, we're you know a couple days away from from cutting off a lot of the fat here. 18 teams will be home yeah. for the winter. 14 teams will be left, and there's not a whole lot of you know for the use of lack of better terms. There's no, not a whole lot of weak sisters where you're looking at like some years you're looking like these three teams are garbage. They have no shot. There's a couple probably this year that you'd be like, eh, I don't know, they can really win a game. There's a lot of teams that you could make a legitimate case for in the conference title games, or even 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 further. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, that's the uh, the most exciting part about the the NFL playoffs, and and maybe it kind of helped that the Ravens beat the 49ers because they seem like the one juggernaut that could probably roll into the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I was like, okay, maybe they got some weaknesses you never know, and. And going off of your college basketball uh, mentioned there, Matt, it's funny because I usually don't care either until maybe late February or early March yeah. into the tournament. Uh, I went to a small school out here. It was, you know, I guess, you know, in terms of name, it's not that it's not that well known. But I went to Cal State Northridge, and I'm actually checking in now because they're they're actually winning for the first time since like in maybe 2009, 10. Like they've done they've done nothing, and they're from the Big West Conference. And when people ask me what's that, well, that's the one that UNLV was in during the the, the Larry Johnson days. But they've been, yeah, they've been long gone from the Big West, but uh, it seems like this could be a good year. They could make it, so I've been tracking them. I may, I mean, thinking about going in a few weeks to to check out a, a Northridge game, but yeah, come on March, and they're, they're in a tournament as a top seed. I might even make it to the conference tournament to see, check them out, but I, I, I'm, that's a cool thing about being part of a small school. If they get in and, and make some noise, it, it, there's nothing like it. It's funny. I went to a D3 school. So for me, I don't have that. But my wife went to Bradley and they're in the Missouri Valley Conference. And so they've been in a bunch of times. And then my sister-in-law was at Loyola, Chicago when they went to the Final Four. And we were living in Chicago. Like That was crazy. That wow. was... I remember like when they first started winning, like they they were like an 11 seed. Like, ah, yeah, what the hell? They won a game. Then they got to the Sweet 16. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. Then they got the Final Four, and you're like, this is unbelievable. Like, is this team actually going to win it? Um, and then I, I, even though I grew up in New York, I spent two years as a kid in Virginia uh, when I was like six and seven, and went would visit George Mason University all the time because they had like open basketball. My, I'd go play with my friends, and they had that crazy run years ago with Jim Laranaga and they beat Rudy Gay and UConn. They went to the final four. And so like it's, it's fun when those schools make like when Butler for now, now Butler's in the big East. It's all different, yeah. but like at the time, like Brad Stevens and they got to the finals those two years. I mean, if Hayward hit that shot against Duke, it's the greatest shot in basketball history. Right? It was, I mean, inches away, but no, it's, it's a fun tournament because unless you're really invested in one of the favorites, you're just rooting for upsets. Like, who's the monster who goes into that tournament and is like, you know who I want to win? Kentucky. Like, if you do that, you're a serial <laughs> killer, right? Again, like, unless you are a Kentucky fan, yeah. who's going into this thing? Like, you know what I want to see? Chalk. That's what I want. So it's so much fun to watch it all play out and unfold. But in any event, um, so listen, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, and thank you for joining us all season. Obviously, we're going to keep it rolling here through the playoffs and, and beyond. But, um, if you haven't already, uh, please subscribe. Uh, leave a leave a five star re- rating, a review. We'll read your question if you have one. Uh, you know all all that good stuff. If your team's on the bubble this week, good luck to you. If they're if they're playing for draft picks, hopefully your team loses and it helps you out. Um, but hey, after this, next time we come back, man, fourteen teams. That's it. We're only going to be looking at six games, so we're going to really be drilling deep into each one of them. For Gilberto Manzano. I'm Matt Verderan. Thank you so much for joining us again, and we will see you next week. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.